Hey, hey, friends. This is Jessie DeShane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today we have the woman behind the invisible hypothyroidism, Rachel Hill. Hi, Rachel, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so pumped to have you on here. Um, I love following you on Instagram, and I feel like I connect with your content so much. So I'm oh, thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your story with chronic illness? Uh, yeah, so um, as you as you already said, I set up the Invisible Hypothyroidism, um, which is a third patient advocacy blog and website. Um, essentially, where that started was um, I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Um, this was almost four years ago now. Um, and that diagnosis um, was a culmination of years and years and years of these symptoms just kind of mounting up with no real explanation. Um, I started blogging to record my own journey and, you know, starting on medication and making dietary changes and all the sorts of things that patients um, sort of try out and do lots of research into. Um, so I just wanted to kind of share that experience and to connect with other people and that seemed like a really good way to do it. Um, that has then evolved into, you know, where it used to be a blog, it's, it's much more of a sort of flagship website. So a lot of, um, a lot of my content is just kind of pulled onto there. And then I have uh, various social media platforms as well, um, with Facebook and Instagram being the ones I'm most active across. Um, and my main sort of uh, message, I guess you could say, is to encourage other people to advocate for their own thyroid health as well. And to really just understand what their conditions mean and what they can do to try and um, better their health and move forward with it. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of thyroid patients, especially those with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, are living, um, you know, poor qualities of life unnecessarily. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I guess I guess my, my mission and my message is to try and um, equip more thyroid patients with the tools and the knowledge uh, that they need to get their health back to a better place. And that's where the invisible hypothyroidism really began. Yeah, I love that. That's, um, that's something that I dealt with when I, uh, I saw an endocrinologist here and, um, and I told him that I didn't, I still didn't feel well. I had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism. Um, they hadn't looked to see if it was Hashimoto's. So, um, I was just diagnosed with hypothyroidism at first. Mm -hmm. My endocrinologist diagnosed me with Hashimoto's, but basically said, um, that there was nothing he could do. And I was like, this can't be I feel I also I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I used to always say like I feel like I'm living a half half life or like a cursed life and um yeah. and he would he just told me that I was being dramatic and that was when I kind of I became my own advocate and was like yeah. no, I'm not supposed to feel like this. Like this yeah. isn't how I'm supposed to feel. So so that's interesting. I totally relate with that. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of thyroid patients hear those kind of comments, you know, either whether it's as far as, as a medical professional saying it's all in your head or it, it can't be that bad or it must be something else. Um, mm -hmm. Through to people just feeling like 
like their doctor or their, their endocrinologist or whoever it is that they're seeing, feeling as if they just don't understand or they don't understand to the extent that it's affecting them. I think that's what is sad. A lot of people um, are having their work lives affected as well as their you know personal, social and romantic relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's just what's really unfortunate. And I, I hear from people every day that are affected on that level. So to feel as if you're not believed um, by a medical professional can be really devastating and isolating, I think. Yeah. What were some of the the symptoms and um, and things that you noticed right away in your journey that kind of brought you to the place of getting diagnosed? And were you diagnosed right away or did you kind of have to deal with that waiting period? Yeah, um, I think my story is quite similar to a lot of other therapy patients in the um, I, the first symptoms I had were fatigue and in particular muscle aches and pains um, in my legs mainly. And they started after I had uh, spine flu at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was quite young when these symptoms started, but essentially it just seemed to have got triggered quite young. I also went through a couple of years that were really sort of stressful period, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally as well. Um, and then I ended up in hospital again with another type of flu um, that developed into neuronia where I was I actually almost died. And that almost that that just really ramped up the symptoms. So at that point, I not only had that fatigue and aches and pains, but um, I also lost about 80% of my hair. Um, and sort of adult acne came to the mm-hmm. surface, surface, and it wasn't just a few pimples. It was, you know, covering most of my face, and it was it was deep purple scarring. Um, yeah, yeah I experienced all sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, eczema and dermatitis started to happen. Um, I was severely co- um, constipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could easily, you know, not pass a bowel movement um, for two weeks, and that that wasn't abnormal for me. Um, yeah. My body was gradually slowing down, I guess. Um, from about 19 years old, that's when I started getting migraines more and more frequently, and um, to a point that I was getting them two or three times a week, and they'd last a couple of days at a time. So oh it was more normal for me to have a day with a migraine compared to not. Um, yeah, you know, periods becoming irregular. Um, all, all the things. Really. <laughs> the top of my head to the tip of my toes, absolutely everything was affected. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was diagnosed uh, at 21 and it was almost caught by chance. Um, mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I, I'd been going in back to the, my GP um, quite often complaining of all these, what I thought were separate symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I caught a different GP one day and it was actually her final day. I was the final patient that she was seeing before she retired that afternoon. Um, And I don't know whether that was a factor in the reason why she just went, oh, well, you know, you've been tired for quite a while. Let's just run these 20 tests and see what comes back. I don't know if the fact that she was retiring was a factor (laughs) in that. And she just thought, well, I may as well, you know, it won't be my problem anymore in a way. Um, And yeah, and I was tested for things like glandular fever and, you know, uh, my thyroid antibodies as well as low thyroid hormones and all these sort of vitamins and various other things. And it came back um, that I had borderline hypothyroidism. So my TSH was only just still within range and over here we use quite a wide range in the UK so I was at like 9.6 or something okay. um, they go up to like 10 and then my T3, my 3, 3T4 was quite low and my thyroid antibodies were off the charts so they were it just said more than <laughs> yeah. um, and I had uh, I was deficient in iron and quite low in vitamin D as well so yeah it was it was quite a overwhelming experience I think at 21 to be basically you know given this medication and pushed out the door and not not be told much more else yeah um, you end up turning to things like the internet and social media and facebook groups for answers 
and I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to find them but um, mm -hmm. yeah I think that's what's quite frustrating I think a lot of people get diagnosed and they're not necessarily equipped with the right information at the time of diagnosis and it just it gives you all these conflicting emotions and you're not quite sure where to go next yeah well, <laughs> I did the the same thing I will say the first few years for me my mom had been diagnosed with hypothyroidism so um I was like oh okay she just takes a pill every day and it's fine and so I did that for years and then you know, when I got a little bit older, I mean, I was diagnosed, I think when I was 22, but they think I had had it for a while before. And that's um, just the hypothyroidism diagnosis. And then when I moved, um, I kind of started paying more attention to my health just in general. Like I wasn't in college, I wasn't being an idiot with my eating as much as I was when I was younger. And, um, and yeah, I was like, wait, I still have all of these symptoms though so what's and that's that's when like the research comes in and like internet scouring and it it can be devastating i remember when i was um when i finally got someone to take my antibodies like for some reason getting someone to just test those was a yeah. big deal <laughs> um when i finally got those he told me i had hashimoto's and then he just told me that it wasn't a big deal and to just keep doing what i was doing and so that was when I kind of found Facebook groups and that just terrified me more because all of these people in these Facebook groups were talking about how awful their life was, how they had like their husbands had left them, how, and I had like just gotten engaged at this point and I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, I'm freaking Not out. Yeah. And people are just like, I can't ever lose weight. I can't like nothing like this is the worst. And then um, I was just like, this can't be the only way that people feel though. There can't be millions of people in the world that have this and feel this way. So for me, yeah. um, I had to get out of all of those Facebook groups. It was just like too detrimental to my mental health, which as we know is like just as important as everything else. So yeah, yeah. It's just frustrating it, because you, you don't always have the help from doctors. And then when you try to go and do research yourself, um, it's not always positive or helpful. Um, and then it's kind of scary. Like, what am I just going to do everything that I see on Google? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it can be difficult sifting through what information is valuable and which stuff, you know, you shouldn't necessarily trust. Yeah, I think it's really overwhelming. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I run a, a Facebook group. Um, called the third family and we've got almost 50,000 people in there now and awesome. um, it definitely be quite overwhelming I mean when I was diagnosed I joined probably like 10 15 Facebook groups just trying to look for one that was useful mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't find one that provided information but was also a safe place for people to vent um, or to just kind of like bounce ideas around and I think that's quite important because like you say it can be so overwhelming yeah. Um, if, you, if you get this diagnosis and you know the same day you decide I'm going to join Facebook groups or online forums and see what other people are doing and how long it took them to feel better because I think a lot of the time you feel quite impatient for this sort of you know this thing to kick in um, yeah I, I just found it really overwhelming and that, that's why I set up a, my own Facebook group to mm -hmm. allow people to ask those kind of questions but to create a more welcoming and I guess less scary atmosphere yeah um 
so we make it we make it clear you know that there are plenty of people in the world that do fine on standard uh, medications such as levothyroxine or synthroids and t4 medications um, and that there is obviously a bias in these groups people that seek out um, Facebook groups or you know the people that join them and then stay in them are often the people that feel unwell that's why they join them so all the people that actually take their medication every day and they function pretty much fine they're not going to seek out these groups so mm. that's that's just how it is I think it's really important to keep in mind that there is going to be a bias of people that feel unwell in these groups yeah. but to not necessarily get yourself bogged down in that and assume that that's going to be you as well yeah. Um, a lot of people that get their health back on track and start figuring it out, they mm. don't necessarily come back to the group to to post about that. Um, yeah, just, you know, get on with their life. I've got other things to do and be on Facebook. So yeah, yeah, I think they could they can be really useful tools online forums. Yeah. Um, but I think you've got to you've got to sort of prepare yourself and keep certain things in mind. And certainly, if it's if it's more detrimental than it is health helpful to your mental health and, yeah. and well-being and um, then it's important to limit exposure or you know like I say just put things in place to to protect yourself a little bit and how you're interpreting that information yeah I'll definitely have to join your Facebook group because um I think that part of the issue with the the one that I had joined or the two that I had joined was there wasn't really um there wasn't really any moderation and when groups get really big like like yours I mean sometimes it gets a little bit hard I know my full-time job I I run social media and community pages so like I understand <laughs> that they can get super overwhelming but I think yes. um it almost was overwhelming at the time just because I had no idea what was going on and because yeah. I was in a place of fear all I could see was the negative I didn't read the yeah. posts about the good stuff so it's just um yeah, it's just like kind of being cognizant of that when you're going into these Facebook groups and they can be so helpful. I mean, that those groups are how I found a naturopathic doctor in um, yeah. Chicago. So they're super helpful. It was just for a time being, the particular groups I were in, was in just weren't right for me. Um, but now that, well, now again, you're, you're right. Like I'm in a more healed place, so I don't need to go to them as often. Yeah. So, but I think it's important when people are putting together these groups like you and you have this background in interest in like creating advocacy for everyone um, and giving people a place to connect because it can be a scary, scary place. I, um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to join thyroid family. Is what you said. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. But, um, but yeah, so then too, you have like your website and your Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So um, do you like, I don't know, I feel like you kind of started this place because you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, but because you were a patient that there is so much information, let me share my information so that if somebody finds it, maybe this can be more helpful than the thousands of other like, um, just like your stuff's like all in one place is kind of what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, um, I think, so I, like I said, I, I wanted to start to share my personal journey um, of how things were working for me. Yeah. Um, like you, I eventually um, sought out a different type of medical practitioner. So um, I see a, a functional medicine practitioner mm -hmm. who is great. So 
um, from everything like changing medication to trying different supplements or you know finding out that I had candida or you know the low vitamin levels or whatever it was I was doing um, I wanted to recall all that in one place and have have people feel as if they could relate um, to someone going through a similar journey I know that my journey won't be the same as anyone else's because we all have slightly different things that we need to do in order to get our health back on track but um, I always wanted it to be just something to relate to and almost like a, a reference point to know that there is someone else out there who is still figuring it all out and um, you know I'm not an expert and I don't have all the answers but if I can share what I'm going through and that helps someone else then I still think that's really invaluable um, as well as that I when I was doing my own research whether it was in thyroid books or uh, you know thyroid doctor websites or reading research and studies or other blogs or all these you know great resources for information for thyroid disease and I found it quite overwhelming uh, there was a lot of contradictory information I I had a lot of favorite places that were kind of dotted all over the place um, and so I, I guess what I wanted to do was to bring a lot of that information and put it into one place um, you know there are resources that are great for having Hashimoto specifically and places that focus on thyroid disease or hypothyroidism specifically and as someone with both of those things um, I felt that it was really important to try and bring that stuff together for the people that do have both of them um, and to also merge conventional medicine with more progressive um, and functional medicine ideas as well mm -hmm. um, so yeah um, like you said uh, it's, it's, it was my idea to try and bring as much information to one place as possible so I have that mix of informational content with my sort of personal experiences and mental health experiences and more uplifting motivational content as well um, to try and address the sort of the full spectrum um, of what it's like to be a thyroid patient, I guess, a bit more holistically than other places yeah. as well. Yeah. Can we chat a little bit more about your personal experience? What what are some of the things that you, like you personally have done that have really helped you feel better, not only physically medication, but just like um, just different things that you've changed in your life or, or things like that? Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing for me and one of the first things I did was to change medication. So I was one of the thyroid patients that unfortunately didn't do well on T4 medication, levothyroxine. Um, so I changed to an NDT brand, which stands for Natural Desiccated Thyroid. And that works for a lot of people um, who don't do well on T4 because it doesn't rely on your body to um, convert the inactive thyroid hormone T4 into the active T3. Um, so that, that one thing alone made a, a huge difference um, in sort of my energy levels, my mood, uh, brain fog. That was a really key thing as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't, didn't just fix everything. Um, like I often describe, um, getting your health back on track with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism is often like piecing together a big jigsaw puzzle. Um, so you'll find that different people tend to have different pieces, but if we can locate what they are and slot them back into place, you're getting you know, step by step closer to a better quality of life. Um, for me, some of those other jigsaw puzzle pieces um, were getting my iron levels, B12 and vitamin D up to optimal instead of in range or you know, at the bottom of the range, which wasn't helpful either. Um, improving my diet so I was eating a lot of you know um, refined carbs and sugar and processed food so trying to eat more more cleanly and more wholesome food mm -hmm. um, and looking to balance my blood sugar that was also quite a big piece I didn't realize how important that was in your mood energy levels headaches even sleep quality um, I went gluten-free which has been a really integral part 
um, of improving my health as well. That helped um, things like heart palpitations. Um, it almost single-handedly cleared up the cystic acne, which was really surprising. Um, yeah, that, that improved my energy as well and yeah. uh, the acid reflux and digestive things. Um, working with uh, my functional medicine practitioner, one of the key things that she helped me overcome was estrogen dominance, um, along with having leaky gut and uh, candida. Um, they were really key as well. So she put me on um, some like herbal treatments um, and we limited my diet back for a few months until we sort of got back on top of that. And then the estrogen dominance kind of resolved as well um, whilst improving bowel movements so that, you know, my body could clear excess things. Mm. So um, it's, it's all very much interlinked um, and it's you know, like a big knot that you've got to unravel and get to the center of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of things um, that I've had to slot back into place from physical health to mental health as well. Um, I know for a while I struggled with uh, disordered eating. So whilst being a thyroid patient um, you know, that gained weight and had my weight fluctuate up and down, I, I became very sort of concerned about my health, um, sorry, about my weight um, going up and down. And so I was one of the many people that restricted my calories um, and you know, pushed myself to exercise more to try and get rid of this weight when, any, when actually that drove my health backwards and it made me more hypothyroid and I had less energy mm -hmm. um, instead of actually just focusing on nutritional content of food um, and feeding my body the nutrients that it needed and doing the exercise that my body was happy doing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to listen to your body and give, give it what it wants and what works for it um, instead of applying this you know, one size fits all approach and expecting everyone to be able to do the same stuff or react in the same way to the same stuff. So yeah, I think it's really important to, um, to do your research and, and talk to your chosen doctor or medical professional and figure out what things, um, what things could work for you. And a lot of it is trial and error as well. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot more than I thought I would do. Now I'm out the other side of, of being in that dark place with thyroid disease. Yeah. It's crazy to me listening to your story. It's almost like a mirror. We have a very similar, we have very similar things with like the eating issues and the constipation issues and just how, how you felt. Um, it's very similar. So I feel you and I understand, <laughs> I understand what, are there one thing for me um, that has been really helpful is actually working on my mental health too. So like things with the, like the, I struggle with emotional eating um, and with just kind of beating myself up. I have that typical, that it seems to be a thing that kind of runs with people with uh, thyroid issues, but just people pleasing and, and really caring yeah too much about other people and not taking care of myself. Um, so those have been things that I've been working on via like therapy and um, writing. My blog is in my, this podcast is like a, t a total form of therapy for me. Oh um, yeah. It's completely therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like things like journaling really helps me. Um, I, I try out weird things. Like I have like a crystal here. I have no idea if it helps. I just have it, you know, like all these fun, like trial and error things to see if it'll help just how I'm feeling. But um, is there anything that you, that you do like that? I mean, obviously your brand is a big one, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like you, I find writing to be really therapeutic um, and it's not been easy to be so honest about what I'm experiencing 
both with my physical health conditions, but also dipping in and out of depression over the years um, and having anxiety disorder that um, flares up from you know day to day or week to week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's daunting sometimes to sort of strip yourself bare and open up about all of that. But for me, it helps to make sense of a lot of what I'm going through or experiencing. Um, and so that alone can be really therapeutic, whether whether you're someone who is happy doing that, putting that out on the internet, or whether you can do that in the form of, like you say, journaling or keeping a notebook or just getting things out in whatever way um, you find helps you to process things and accept things. I think that is really useful. Um, mindfulness is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but um, being aware of what that means and little ways that you can implement that into your day-to-day life can help as well. So um, at the moment, what I'm doing is at the end of each day, writing down three things to reflect on. Um, so it can be you know, three things that I've been grateful for or that I've enjoyed or appreciated that day. So it might be that I really enjoyed um, a home-cooked dinner that I, that I made or that I went on a nice walk with my husband. Um, or it could be you know anything small from starting a new Netflix series or treating yourself to a, a bunch of flowers or anything um, so yeah that's uh, sort of being more mindful and, and more aware of how you feel um, can really help as well as paying attention to your emotions and how you're feeling I think a lot of us as thyroid patients um, try to soldier on in a way and you know, suppress feelings or like you touched on worry about what other people are thinking about us or trying to please everyone else and then neglecting ourselves mm-hmm. i think it's important to acknowledge any feelings that you're going through you know if if one day you're going through a bad day with your thyroid health you're allowed to feel frustrated and annoyed and um you know essentially grieve a little bit for what your life was like beforehand that's that's fine that's totally healthy to go through and process i think it's important to also be active um, but you know be proactive in overcoming that and working through that as well but um yeah it's important to recognize the spectrum of emotions that we can feel day to day um with this condition um and i think for me especially i don't know if you identify as one but i um learned about being a highly sensitive person last mm-hmm. year so a hsp um and that solved that sort of slotted a lot of things into place for me so i've never heard this term before but when i learned what being a hsp was um it just suddenly made me realize a lot of things about myself um so such as you know people pleasing or anxiety um you know it can affect a wide part of your life um and just being aware that i actually fit into the personality type of a hsp mm-hmm. it meant that again i could reach out into a new community of people that got that and share how we um cope with that day-to-day or i know just kind of reach a level of acceptance because you're understanding what it is that you're going through mentally and emotionally as well as your physical health conditions so yeah obviously it differs from person to person but i think it's important to try and try and unravel who you are um inside and remember as well that you are a person um, underneath thyroid disease yeah, it doesn't define you it's part of you and it might change your life a little bit mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's there's still you um, with that condition and you can still live a good life and you can still thrive with thyroid disease yeah yeah that's that's something I totally relate to as well I think I kind of let my my disease take over my life for a while and I forgot that I was a person living with the disease not the disease. It wasn't just me. But one of the interesting things you said about feeling your emotions, that's definitely something I struggle with. And um, 
uh, Allie Daniel, I had her on the podcast a week or so ago. Um, she, she mentioned something that I had never heard of, but she's like, if you just feel an emotion, usually um, the emotion yep. will only last about 90 seconds. So it's interesting to think about like, if I would just feel the sadness for 90 seconds instead of pretending it's not there for 90 uh-huh. days and then having like a big blow up at some point. Um, it's just crazy. Like all of these things that I feel like for me, I was kind of taught to suppress was like, don't, don't cry at work. Don't do these kind of things. And now it's like, if I would just kind of feel that I would feel so much better, so much quicker than that. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of the time it's, it's reinforced to us that having a thyroid condition like Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism um, isn't isn't hard. You know, it's something that's easily treated, that easily that is easily managed. And so it's almost as if we're not entitled to struggle with it some days or feel a bit frustrated or a bit fed up. Um, but actually, you know, the, the experience differs from person to person and it's totally fine to to feel those things. I think it's important to try and work through them, but I think it's important to acknowledge them as well because like you say, suppressing those kind of feelings, eventually they're going to come up and yeah. you can end up with, with a complete meltdown or feel <laughs> overwhelmed or reach the point of burnout. Um, yeah. And as is really an important part of um, your thyroid condition, looking at adrenal health as well, um, you know, it's important to manage your stress levels and not coping with things in a healthy way is not going to help your stress levels either. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge all of that. One thing I actually saw it on your Instagram, but we've kind of touched a couple of them today was, um, and obviously I kind of wanted to talk about it, but um, was dealing with brain fog at work. So I think that is something that is terrifying to thyroid patients. I remember like thinking that at my jobs, thinking they were going to think I didn't know what I was doing. Um, Yeah. So like, I would love to kind of dig into that just a little bit because I think that that's something people don't even realize necessarily that they're going through brain fog until it happens. And then they're like, oh, wow, I'm not recalling things in situations where I need to be recalling them. Um, (laughs) It's actually, to be honest, a big reason um, I almost didn't start this podcast because I was like, what if I'm sitting here with you interviewing you and I forget the question I'm going to ask you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, I had a friend of mine who was like, they're going to understand more than anyone else (laughs) when you're like, oh wait, I, I don't know what that is. So, so yeah, I would just love to talk about like brain fog with work, with life. Um, just dig into that a little bit. Yeah, um, I think brain fog for me was one of the scariest things. Um, I remember, I remember at the point where I'd been told that I, I had, you know, a kind of underactive thyroid where it was borderline, <clears throat> but they didn't want to start me on treatment yet. Yeah, they they didn't want to start me on treatment yet, um, and essentially my my mental health was getting worse but brain fog is a whole whole different thing entirely um i was forgetful i was um getting muddled i remember distinctly there was this one day where you know i was feeling really fatigued and achy and was struggling to get myself up and down the stairs at home but i'd gotten up out of bed sort of nine in the morning maybe maybe even a little bit earlier and I'd sort of done stuff that day. I'd put laundry in the washing machine. Or I'd watched a film on Netflix. I was just kind of doing stuff around the house. And then I got to midday um, and I just suddenly had this 
this fog come over me where I just couldn't recall what I'd done. So mm. I was looking at the time thinking it's, it's 12 o'clock, but wait, when did I get up? What, what have I done today? Like almost like, how did I get here from yeah. being in bed last night? And it was this really scary moment of thinking, oh my God, have I got like early onset dementia or, yeah. you know, I'm experiencing memory loss at 20, 20 years old. It was really scary. Um, and I didn't really realize that that was, that brain fog was a thing and it was a symptom until I was like well into the treatment and being on medication for it. Um, it was incredibly scary. And luckily I was, you know, I was just at home that day, but um, work days, working in an office, um, which is probably one of the safest place to be when you experience things like brain fog and get muddled with things. Um, I would get confused when the phone would ring, you know, it's saying, good morning, this is X, Y, and Z, you know, how can I help you? Um, I would answer the phone and I'd just be like, um, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't know what I was supposed to say, I almost yeah. where I was. I could read an email 20 times and not actually have processed it or could recall anything that I'd read or let alone what I was then supposed to do with it or how to action it. Um, yeah, my work life was affected a lot with brain fog and that was that was tied into not being on the right medication at the time, but also to the fatigue. And um, if you're feeling really tired, you are going to feel a little bit slower mentally anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really scary and it's quite an embarrassing thing as well. If you're aware that people around you are noticing that you're getting muddled up or you're doing the wrong thing um, or mixing things up or just completely forgetting things when usually that's not you. I mean, I've always been a very organized person that is pretty much on top of stuff. Um, and I'm quite a sort of fast paced person that likes to keep busy and have lots of things going on. And so it was really out of character for me in that way. And I think that's just one of the, one of the many ways that a thyroid condition can alter your personality in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, when you're talking about not being able to recall when you're reading something, um, before I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, I was in college and it was difficult. I remember being in class and I would read a book and I would read it well ahead of time because like you, it was very organized. Like I was, I wasn't a bad student for me. And, um, I would get to class and like the the teacher would ask questions about what we read and I couldn't recall it. Like, and, and then I would look at the book again and be like, oh, okay, I remember seeing that, but I still couldn't recall it. And it was crazy. And then getting into um, like the working field, I worked a lot of fast paced jobs until recently and um, it would be so stressful. I remember on days where I would wake up and I could just tell that I wasn't feeling the best. Yeah. It would be stressful for me because like I was afraid that I would be in a meeting and I wouldn't be able to run the meeting or someone would ask me a question and I wouldn't be able to come up with an answer. And it was terrifying because you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to look like you're not doing your job well, even though you are, it's just that, yeah. you know, you're having this brain fog that just takes over. And um, yeah, it can be terrifying. And if you don't have a supportive like work environment, it can be a little crazy. That's a big reason I left my last job. Um, it was a very stressful job, but then also just, I went like, it would just induce these panic attacks for me in the morning because I would know I had a meeting that day. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if I don't know what to say? 
yeah it could be quite potluck what you're going to be day to day as well um, yeah. i mean i i just um work for myself now from home so i have that ability to be quite flexible if i'm having a day that isn't you know i wake up like you just explained and i just know straight away that i don't feel particularly great i can be a bit more flexible about what time i start work or what tasks i do that day um and essentially i'm you know i'm, I'm working for myself but yeah. when i was working in various office environments with other people and for other people it can get incredibly stressful when you're getting things muddled up or you're forgetting to do certain tasks um, and you're perhaps you know getting in trouble if if people are thinking that you're not doing your job properly or that you don't care about your job whether that's your work colleagues or your line manager um, it can cause a lot of tension at work and I know for me at, at some points um, in sort of my darkest times I was trying to get trying to get ready in the morning when I was feeling very well and I was having panic attacks and anxiety attacks because I knew that you know that day was going to be bad like you said I'd, I'd get in and I would I would struggle to stay awake. I mean, there was a time when I, I fell asleep for a split second at work due to my thyroid condition, which was quite worrying. Um, and so things like that just kind of compound it because you know, like you said, if you were in a meeting and you said something wrong, you know that it is a possibility. It's not just anxiety in terms of it being, um, you know, an over-exaggeration or something that might not happen. You know that it, it might happen because you often have experience with these things with fatigue or brain fog or whatever it is that you're experiencing impacting and affecting these things so it just compounds the anxiety and then you end up in this cycle of getting more anxious and um, feeling like you're more unable to stay in your line of work but yeah I think it's incredibly important to find what works for you um, and over the years I've changed my working situation quite a bit so um, I used to work full-time in event management and that alone is quite a sort of a busy stressful job anyway yes, it's a similar background <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> um and yeah i just realized after i got diagnosed with my health conditions i just realized it wasn't really working for me anymore i needed something that was a little bit slower and a bit a bit more constant <clears throat> i guess with event management you could have a few months of things being quite dead and slow and then suddenly for a, for a few weeks everything would be really manic and you'd be having yeah. to work extra hours or taking all those more workload and i needed more of a routine so that i could pace my body and my mind a little bit a little bit more better um and so yeah i i dropped down to part-time working um and even now working for myself i still work to like part-time hours ish like 20 hours a week and i know that for me physically as well as mentally because it's also it's also intertwined um so delicately that that is just works that is just what works for me that's they're the hours and this is the type of work that um lets me you know still work day to day and do what I enjoy and feel like I'm being productive, but also keep my health um, and my thyroid condition under control so that it's not impacting that. I think work-life balance is essentially what I'm trying to describe, but yeah, I think there's no shame in adjusting things like that um, to suit to your situation. And only you're going to know best what it is that you need, what kind of adjustments or, or changes you might need at work or within your role that are going to allow you to still feel like a functioning member of society and do a job that you enjoy but also still have good health and get that balance right um so yeah i think again that's another important piece of that thyroid jigsaw puzzle that i was talking about earlier on yeah like truly finding what works for you and this is where the people pleasing comes in 
not caring what other people think. And that was, that was a big struggle for me with my last job and, and where I live, to be honest, we're, we're planning to move out of Chicago just because my fiance also deals with a chronic illness and, um, it's too fast for us. And, you know, we want to be outside. We want to be a little bit, have a little bit more of a chilled out schedule, um, things like that, because that's where we thrive best. And, um, and it's definitely something that a lot of our friends are like, why, why would you want to move out of Chicago? It's such a cool city. And like, you're still young, like, blah. Um, and, And I'm like, yeah, but it's exhausting. Like it exhausts me. And I'm so much happier on the days where I can work remote, work from home, or, um, I can kind of start my day slower or I can go outside and kind of ground myself or just be outside. So um, you really just have to figure out, like you said, what works best for you and, and stand behind that. But then also understand that like it might change, you know, in a couple of years, you, you might really love the city right now. And maybe in a couple of years you won't, or maybe vice versa. And that's okay. Um, Yeah. And like what you're doing for work as well. Like, I think work is a hard topic for people to talk about because especially at least where I'm from, I'm sure that it's like this everywhere, but everybody where I live works a lot and it's kind of the culture and um, I've heard so many people be like, well, I can't just quit my job. Well, I can't just do this. And, and I understand that I'm still working a full-time job. Like I wish I didn't have to, but that's what I'm doing right now. The difference is I knew that I couldn't handle like event management, like working at an advertising agency. I couldn't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I found a job that's still full-time, but they're very, very flexible. They let me work remote and it's not as fast paced and it's insane what it will do for your health. Um, but, but yeah, I think that anyone can find a way to, to kind of better their life in that way and, um, and really take care of their health. So that's just a a topic that I'm very passionate about because I've had to go through it. So understand, but, um, but yeah, so like, I guess kind of what we're talking about just in general here, how would you recommend or how would you give advice to people on how to be a better advocate for themselves? Um, I think the number one thing you have to do is to educate yourself. Um, by educating yourself on what your thyroid condition means, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, your, what tests you should be having done, what results you're looking for or aiming for, for um, forming a partnership with your doctor or you know chosen medical professional where you are an active participant in your own healthcare I think that is crucial um, because from there if you can form that relationship then you're going to have someone who um, you know will be in partnership with you that you can go to and say hey I think it might be worthwhile checking my B12 or my vitamin D or these extra thyroid tests um, and you know they're more likely to work with you so I think it's important to find um, find someone who is willing to have that relationship with you and by educating yourself on what kind of tests you should be having done what results you're looking for what other conditions can go hand in hand and you know what dietary changes can help what supplements might possibly help Mm -hmm. Um, I mean it all differs from person to person but just by educating yourself whether that's through 
um, books, websites, blogs, podcasts, you know, the various mediums that can help to educate you and make you feel empowered. Mm -hmm. All of that is going to help and it's going to form this, this arsenal of information that you can go into the doctor's office um, and use to, to work with them. Um, so yeah, I think the main thing is to just educate yourself um, and it, it can be really helpful to reach out to this thyroid community that we talk about. So whether that's in Facebook groups, um, you know, Instagram or Facebook pages that you follow, um, anything really connect with other people and talk to them about what's helped them. Um, maybe they've read a really good thyroid book that they can recommend, or they've got some studies that, that they took into their doctor that have proved useful in explaining why they you know, wanted some extra tests, wanted to try different medication or whatever it is, um, you know, to advocate for yourself just really means to, to stand up stand up for your own health and to be active and understanding what it means and what you can do going forward. Um, yeah. I think there's so many thyroid patients that are still unwell now. Um, that's where you've got to start. The people that tend to get better with thyroid disease are the ones that understand what it is, um, you know, down to what the condition literally is um, through to what they can do to then help themselves and empower themselves um, in Sort of physical health as well as mental health and well-being as well you have to look at it as a complete puzzle um, so yeah i think everyone can start by um, reading some thyroid books or websites or looking into studies and things or chatting to other people in the community and that alone will help to give you a good footing to then go out there um, and advocate for yourself in the doctor's office and, and further i love that i think what for me now that I'm in a better place with my health, it's much easier to think this way. But I, um, I try to think about the the really good things that have come from having Hajimoto's. Um, like, for example, this podcast and getting to connect with people like you that live so far away from me, but we have so much in common. Also, a big thing for me was that I have always been very protective and loving and caring and an advocate for my friends and my family. Mm -hmm but I was never one for myself. And then I got this disease and I finally got fed up enough with people telling me that this was the way I was supposed to feel. And I learned how to stand up for myself and how to be yeah. protective and caring and loving for myself and learn everything that I can about myself and my illness so that I could advocate for myself because no one else was going to do it. Um, yes. And yeah, it's such a, it's a cool thing. Like, to, it's really hard when you're in, in the darkness of, of any chronic illness to try to look at the positive that comes from it. But I try to just even just get little pieces from someone like, for example, for you, like starting your business, I'm sure there's other things as well, but just like, what are some things that you think have positively in, impact your life from, from this illness? Yeah, um, I think a lot of what you said already, um, I've discovered um, a channel for one of my passions that was writing. Um, I've always enjoyed writing and it gave me a channel and a topic um, to yeah, just channel into, I guess, um, whether that was starting off with my blog and writing articles and then writing my book last year. Um, it's great creative, creatively. Yeah. Um, and so I, I finally found a way to channel that passion of mine. Um, also meeting other people that, like you say, you have so much in common with that you otherwise wouldn't have met or had these discussions with. Mm -hmm. I've met other thyroid patients in this thyroid community that have gone on to become really great friends um, and that 
essentially I can talk to those people about things that no one else in my life will understand as much as my closest friends, family and my husband try, um, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah. They will never, you know, 100% understand because they don't experience it themselves and hopefully they never will do. But um, through being in touch with other thyroid patients who can just get it, it's great that I can just turn to those people and vent if I need to, or just say, does anyone else experience this? Or does anyone else feel this way? And have them to completely validate that. Um, I think, you know, there is no word to describe how powerful and how reassuring that can be. And mm-hmm. um, it's reignited my interest in reading. Um, you know, I, I sort of lost my interest in reading when I became a teenager. And um, I grew up in the phase of social media and internet mm-hmm. on phones being a thing. And I think a lot of us lost touch with reading being a hobby and a passion. Um, and through having this condition, I've done you know a lot of research and into books and things like that. And that then fueled my interest to start picking up other books and get back into that hobby again. So even something as small as that, it has this this whole experience of having a thyroid condition has altered and touched my life in so many ways from the people that I get to meet and speak to and have connections with. So the hobbies that I have or what I get to do day to day for my work as well. And it's, yeah, it's affected it in so many different ways. Um, I definitely feel that I wouldn't be as good a version of myself I am today without it. It has also taught me to slow down. I was very fast paced and I wanted to do everything and I thought I could do everything. I thought I was superwoman. Um, And through having a thyroid condition, I've learned to uh, be a bit more protective of my energy and my time and to manage that better which means that I can have deeper connections with other people or that I feel that my time is being spent better and that it's you know more valuable and um, yeah it's made me more empathetic and it's given me a confidence that I never knew I had because I know the ins and outs of my condition and what I can do to to get myself back on track or to go into a doctor's office it's made me more protective like you said of my own health and through that um i'm also a bit more protective of the people's health so um i have a friend at the moment that is feeling tired every single day and she's struggling a bit so i'm saying you know going to the doctors and ask for these for these lab tests and get a few things checked it's even things like that i can help other people whether it's directly or indirectly um, and it's really shaped who i am today but yeah i think it's really important to focus on the positives as well especially when you when you're going through that grieving process of accepting how things might be a little bit different yeah Um, yeah (laughs) yeah that you mentioned it right at the beginning but your book I wanted to talk more about your book what yes what you wrote about in your book and where people could get it if they wanted to grab it yeah and so it's called be your own thyroid advocate when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and it came out six months ago now Mm. and essentially it's a recounting of my personal journey that we've touched on today of me first getting symptoms and you know going through a few years of wondering what the heck was going on getting diagnosed and then getting my health back on track so it recounts uh, a lot of the things that have helped me to do that and a lot of the information and resources that I found to be useful and it includes a lot of motivational and uplifting passages as well because I I am an advocate for mental health and you know promoting good good well-being um going through this grieving process as well and so yeah it encompasses all of those things I wanted to create a book that was different to others in that I wanted it to be more 
more easy to access and digest. A lot of therapy books I purchased were great and they were really useful, but when I was still quite unwell and I was reading them, I was brain fogged, I was fatigued, it was difficult to understand what I was reading or retain information or to even take action points from it. So I think, great, I've read this book, now now what do I do? What am I actually going to act on from it? Um, so yeah, so I wanted to create a resource that people could flick back to or make notes on um, with just kind of simplified information, cutting out a lot of the jargon that we don't necessarily need to know as therapy patients, mm-hmm. but just giving, giving the information to people just yeah in a direct way so that they can actively take that and go and start making changes you know today or tomorrow so that was the um that was the the key idea um and from the feedback that i've had um i seem to have achieved that so um yeah i'm really pleased with it uh, it was something that my followers had asked for for quite a few years so it was great to finally get around to to doing that and yeah i'm now working on book two um so it never ends once you get bitten by by the <laughs> writing a book book <laughs> just want to keep going <laughs> yeah where could people get it if they wanted to see it for themselves? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, Be Your Own Thyroid Advocate is available on Amazon. Um, it's about £10 here in the UK, and I think that's about $13 in the US. Um, so okay. it's available on Amazon worldwide. If you want a signed copy, I do also have those in my Facebook shop, which uses PayPal, um, and then like an extra £5, which is about 6 or $7. Um, yeah. So you've got that option as well. Um, so yeah, and it's available in paperback and Kindle. Actually, I think I might do a giveaway with your book. So, so that'll, so okay, I'll yeah. put up some information on Instagram once, once your um, episode goes live, but I think that would be fun. I know that I have a lot of people, not only on my chronically healing uh, podcast Instagram that have that people have um, Hashimoto's, but a lot of people on my other Instagram, just my personal one, um, I know people deal with that a lot. So I think, I think that would be a fun way to, to yeah. interact too. That's I great. think that would be cool. But plus, I also want to read it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so I'm excited. I love that you wrote a book. That's so exciting. But yeah, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners here on the podcast? Um, yeah, I guess um, besides writing book two at the moment, another project that I'm working on um, is building an online course for thyroid patients as well. Awesome. So I'm building this with Nada from Thyroid Transitions, who is another sort of thyroid advocate, blogger and sort of life coach. So we're aiming to build a course um, called Fatigue to Freedom, and that is going to encompass all thyroid disorders. So we've been uh, Graves' disease and hyperthyroidism. Um, and essentially it's going to focus on um, equipping people with the knowledge and the tools to, again, better their physical health, but also mental health and mindfulness as well. And mm-hmm. um, so we're combining our sort of experiences there um, to create this course that we're hoping will be out in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working hard away at it. But um, yeah, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, that might already be available. But yeah, if you're interested in sort of doing something that's more hands-on, that might appeal to you um, as yeah. well as checking things out on the website and book. Yeah. Well, where, if people wanted to kind of connect with you now, where could they do that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in particular. So if you just search for the invisible hypothyroidism, you'll find me on there. And there is also my blog and website at the invisible People can reach out to me over email as well. Obviously I can't answer um, medical questions 
questions or give medical advice, but I might be able to point you in the direction of further resources to help you on your journey as well. And yeah, you can check out my book, which compounds a lot of the information already on my social media and on my website, where it's in a more sort of bite-sized format and in a, a quick way uh, to kind of access it and digest it as well with all the essentials there. So yeah, so there are a few ways that you can reach out, but um, come join the Thyroid Family Facebook group as well if you're looking yeah. for community. Um, I'm active uh, pretty much everywhere on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> all the places. Yes, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely have all of these linked in the show notes and then on the blog post that goes along with it. So, okay. but yeah, thank you so much for being on today. No, thank you for having me. It's been great.